Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. This is Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Seepin. I am the pastor at the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona, and across from me is Andy Littleton, pastor of Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona. Yours is a little bit more midtown, mine's a little bit midtown east. Yeah. And if you're looking for us, um, and yeah, we talk, we, I, I really liked this podcast. Yeah, I did too. I feel like we, we talked about the gospel, we talked about Jesus, what he's doing in our community, in our life, how we think about things. This is one of those ones where I forgot there were microphones, sort of. Yeah. But I, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Like, I would have just enjoyed this conversation with you, even if we didn't record it. Yeah. Those are the best. They are the best. So, And, uh, yeah, enjoy, and we're going to be off for uh, a month. Oh, I didn't even know that. You did, I told you last week, and you changed your calendar even, because I got the calendar notification. Oh, good for me. Okay, <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> Perfect. (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, have a good day, guys. Bye. Hey, it's Money Talk with Eric Seepin and Andy Littleton. (laughs) Eric Ramsey. Eric Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm here. My phone just buzzed, and I'm not going to look at it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, you're a better person. Like, we've already established you're a better person. No, we haven't. Yes. No, we have not. We have not established You're a better that. Calvinist. You're a better person. Better Calvinist. Yeah. You're definitely a better Calvinist, let's be honest. Look at you. You're wearing a bandana. You're definitely a better Calvinist. No. I'm a, maybe a neo-Calvinist, but you're just straight up better Cal- Calvinist. Really? Oh, wow. Oh. Some Calvinists would disagree. Really? Yeah. Well, they certainly wouldn't think that I was up there. Well... Well, sure, that's okay, yeah. You're definitely Grand. above me. Yeah, okay. I'm too much into the neo-Orthodox people to be considered Calvinist. So yeah. we just said a bunch of things that people don't even know we're talking yeah. about. So. Yeah, this podcast is off to a real bang. I I'm still a, don't know what we're talking about. What, what are we, you You mentioned something about talking about God. I like that. Well, no, I, I think. I, I think that's good. Think that it would be this is faith cool. Over breakfast. Did, did you, it is Faith Over Breakfast. Did you, uh. Did you preach this Sunday? I did not. What did, what was what was preached on this Sunday? Uh, so it so we're in Galatians two, and this was Paul Paul's asserting his apostolic ministry, and John uh, talked about you, about leaders, what it means to to have leaders supporting them and such. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, because I, I was just thinking that. We have two churches, as we've said previously and over and over again, mm-hmm. that are self-proclaimed different than other churches, mm-hmm. and some people would observe that they are. But yeah. they're different in that they have uh, maybe a more narrow purpose in the, in the or a narrow audience um, commun- that they're looking to bring the gospel to. Yeah, and so and they approach life and community a little differently, uh-huh. life together and. I sometimes wonder, like, well, what is God saying to these communities? How is He directing them, and how does that intersect with each other? Hmm. That that kind of interests me because I think um, we're both trying to bring Jesus's message to people that maybe don't always hear it, but we're also tr- pretty concerned with what does it look like to make disciples Mm -hmm. like lifelong disciples who are committed to to an idea and to a way of being Mm -hmm. that is consuming in some ways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well let's do that i like that so so you're wondering what we're saying to our people and you want and you would share with us what you're saying to yours yeah and maybe we could kind of interact (laughs) compare notes yeah Let's go for it. All right. Look at that. We have a topic. We have a topic. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, we have chosen, we chose the book of Galatians because, so we, we realized we had, an, we had two impulses, and we went with the one that wasn't the most easy path. 
And the two impulses were, number one was we could say, my goodness, 2020 was so rough. Let's just have a really easy year. You know, that'd be something where you're like, let's let's pick a book of the let's just pick a book of the bible that's just like salve to the wound and um and try to just not really talk about some of these hard things so there was that idea and then the other would be wow 2020 stirred the pot and there's a whole lot of things we've become aware of let's press into what do we do with that rather than just letting all the sediment float down to the bottom again because all the issues, they're not going to just go away. That sounded like the harder path, and that's the one we picked. So we chose the book of Galatians because in it, Paul was dealing with something that was a very cultural, political, divisive topic of his day, circumcision. He was recognizing that even within the church, there were differing impulses and feelings about it. And he roots an argument in the gospel for how one ought to engage with the issue. So we thought, okay, this gives us an opportunity to talk about the, the gospel a lot, but also to recognize that it has a lot to say to divisive, difficult topics. So we're doing that. And then for the summer, we're going to look at the 12 disciples and how different they were and think through what what it really took for Jesus to bring them all together to follow him and discuss kind of community and the diversity of community and how complicated that is, but also how it's possible because of Jesus. So that's our year. That's the plan. How about you guys? Well, so you took option one. We took option one. No. Yeah. So last, <laughs> so last year, we um, before we hit Advent, we did Ephesians. So we did the whole book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. and at the end, we landed on the armor of God. And during the sermon on the armor itself, in our kind of response, there was this overwhelming response in the. In the few people that came to each service, yeah, overwhelming response. Um, <laughs> hey, when five people are overwhelmed, you better listen. That maybe we need to stop here and mm-hmm. look at these different aspects of the armor of God. Yeah, and we don't usually we have our sermon series prepped, so we scrapped right. Yeah, twenty twenty one's beginning. Yeah, up to Lent because we kind of follow church calendar, and we began to pick each one apart. Yeah, and that's been a huge transforming experience for our community and really beginning to understand what it means to get your feet rooted in a time when things are not uh, very rooted like where Mm -hmm. you everything seems to be shifting around you yeah so that whole encouragement of stand firm and the invitation to stand in the strength of god yeah and then begin to take up and put on the things that you're given Mm mm-hmm yeah, has been a really, really powerful place for us to ponder things. Um, yeah, I, so I think for us it was like, you know, when I look back at 2020, I realized that, you know, kind of went in naive. I don't think I'll ever go into a year naive again where I was just <laughs> like, hey, it's a year. Like, you know. Like, I remember joking about like themes for, you know, just – we were talking about 2020 and joking about like, hey, let's just call it 2020 vision. And but, right. but being in this kind of space of just expecting nothing strange, right? Just no, yeah, just assuming we were going to talk about discipleship and that was that. Well, and I think the things that we had on our plate as a community that we were thinking was like, okay, we're looking at some financial struggle in our church, mm. so that it's going to be oh, hard. Right. So we need to buckle down heading into 2020 and uh we're gonna grow we're gonna grow a lot the evidence and, and is, those two flipped didn't they they did they flipped <laughs> completely you you, you actually, less people and more money yes <laughs> didn't and so just how like you think we're listening to the holy spirit uh, we're doing what we're, we're making yeah. choices to plan on where we think god is yeah. calling us and what we're right. looking at 
and God's like, yeah, you just don't know. Right. I appreciate that you're trusting me and leaping off a cliff, but you don't know. But by the way, the, the cliff, We're it's moving. a whole different cliff than you thought. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> We're moving in a different direction. So like coming into 2021 has definitely been more like, okay, no, we don't know. Yeah. We could make some decisions, but we need to be ready to change those things and, yeah. and adjust. And so we're for we're doing Lent, and this has been. We are talking about the parables that come out of Matthew thirteen. Oh, cool! So we're kind of going to beat these ideas to death in a sense. Yeah. So we start with the sower. Yeah. And there's the mustard seed and things like that. In and, which, you know, something that didn't stand out to me until a few years back was that the kingdom always grows in these parables. Yes, yeah. the kingdom is always growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're, they're very subversive and, and very, uh, I mean, the cool thing about a parable is you unravel it yeah. and you think about it and it has so much to it and then you stop thinking about it and it ravels back up. Right. And the next time you read it, you don't, just go back to your standard interpretation. Yeah. It's all of a sudden like, oh wow, huh? You know, yeah. Eugene Peterson says parables are set up for us not to new- learn new things, but to see things we didn't see before. Yeah, they invite us back yeah. onto the path to think about mm-hmm. what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for us, like it's been really good for Lent to go into the parable of the sower because you know there's some ways of understanding how lavish God's grace is and the pouring out of the seed right. on everywhere. Yes, right. there's a field, but the, it's it's given to all these different soils. Reality is given to everyone. Yeah, there's a field and it doesn't always grow. We tend to look at that like, what kind of soil are you? It, yes. But there is something to the lavish generosity of the God that pours seed all over all types of soil. He doesn't doesn't come if you think about the parable the sower doesn't walk up and go which one of these soils is worth it right which one of these soils is you know ready for me yeah uh he just pours it out yeah it's really it's pretty powerful yeah and and i think the thing that really has struck me is this time and i and i do talk about this parable when i preach on it there is some self-examination yeah. An invitation of like what kind of soil you are. It's, yes, not to diminish that. No, yeah. but I think the thing that struck me this time more was that I, you know, that God is the sower. Yeah. And yep. he's, and Jesus is the seed. Yeah. But Jesus is the sower yeah. of the seed himself into his disciples mm-hmm. who then are sowing seed, who I'm right. a product of. The seed you, is kind of passed along. Yes. And, some of what's going on there is for us to think about, well, what kind of soil is my seed hitting and how am I to pray? Mm. So as I, if I look at in my throwing seed and, and people already have a well-worn path and it's mm. so easy for reality just to bounce off them. And I'm just like, well, I got to convince them more. I got to no, maybe I need to start praying that the spirit of God mm. who makes people alive so they can Received the seed, and good tills, Calvinist. There. Tills ground and wow, yes. look at you being a Calvinist. It's my my job to pray, yeah, that the Spirit would engage that way, and also to pray that the Spirit would protect them from the birds, from the enemy, yeah. snatching reality mm. before it can grab root. Mm. And just thinking about yeah. those things, just the way I pray, I have to start thinking. Well, this is how parenting works, yeah, right. You know, you're throwing out what is good and true, mm-hmm. what is real, Jesus, hopefully to your kids, but then you're like, wow. That just bounces off you. Mm-hmm. You already have a well-worn path in your life that I need to pray out of you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe as a parent, I need to also redirect you. But yeah. I might be the agent of the spirit in your life. Right. But I don't know. So those have really been helpful thoughts for me to process. Yeah. Know, is how do I pray yeah. for people in the soil that they are? Yeah. And how do I rejoice when it takes root? You know, like what does that look like? Yeah. It's just really challenging my heart that way and i think it's challenging my community to think that way hmm. no that's great but yeah that's well, kind of where we're at as a community yeah yeah that's powerful stuff one thing would be interesting to have a conversation about it was just a little side note of our sermon my sermon on sunday that i've just been it just always strikes me is that you know you think about jesus he 
you think at some point like he just floats around like your initial thing is like he just floats from <laughs> like he's god you know i mean i said in my sermon if he has to pee he can say well i'll do that next week like i don't need to pee well, he just right miraculously now. does yeah he just it's like i just i just I, spiritually peed yeah it's like <laughs> but he's human and he is fulfilling prophecy in a human way yeah he knows what he's fulfilling and he has to make decisions mm-hmm. to do it and he has to be strategic and he has to tell stories certain ways right. I don't think we think of him no. as that human, yeah, who's purposeful, right? No, that's true. And I don't know, and this is slightly related, but I have you seen that little mini documentary, Godspeed? No, I haven't. Uh, it's so Eugene Peterson's involved in it, and N.T. Wright and a couple other people. Oh, wow. but basically, there's there's this pastor who is training in seminary. Oh, have, yes, I've heard about you've heard it. Of it. Yeah. And uh he's he's going to do all these great things and I, I believe Eugene Peterson sees in him this isn't good. You're you're too driven and suggests to him that he goes I believe to Scotland to this little tiny parish in Scotland and from there he gets assigned to an even smaller one and basically there, the whole role is you just have to walk around to the various people's homes and just be with them and pray with them, and and he discovers that he ha- it changes his preaching because the people actually know who he is as opposed to the type of church he thought he'd lead where people wouldn't know who he was, and so they would say, "Okay, you said that with all this passion, but where's that passion on Tuesday for you?" And he w- he realized he couldn't talk like an expert anymore he had to come to them honestly and and then one of the first converts he sees is this kind of manly macho man that uh, he he who goes out with his friends and just tromps around naked in the forest and just is like manly man you know in wow. Scotland, I guess that's what Scotland, manly, naked, manly naked. men do. Yeah, wow. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, they probably do it here too. You just don't. Yeah, know. especially I try, at the I try village. To stay with yeah. those men. <laughs> yeah, but he, uh, he was, he was kind of this, you know, larger than life right. guy, and he is looking at the maps in a Bible when he's meeting with the pastor, and he realizes when he's looking at the maps because his whole area he can walk to every the the neighboring town, all the things. And he's looking at the scale on the maps, and he it dawns on this guy that everywhere Jesus went in his whole entire ministry was within walking distance. Everything. And he says, he says, unbelievable. I if Jesus, if if these people wrote about him that he raised Lazarus from the dead and that he did this miracle here and that all these people were so close to one another. They were within walking distance. There's no way that if this was all lies, that all the people in the community wouldn't have gathered together and say, said, no, he didn't do it. And he just said, he must have been who these people said he was because there wasn't, there's not a historical uproar about it. These right. people all knew who he was. He was, it was like the furthest, you know, it was like East Tucson and North Tucson. It was like the furthest away or something of that nature. And, this guy accepts Christianity because of the map, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is really interesting. It is really interesting. But um, anyway, all that to say, the humanness of Jesus, that he he had to walk to all these, you know, he had to get up in the morning and, okay, I got to walk for three hours to get over there. And it just... There were a lot of cool things in that video, but that was one of the ones because I I enjoy walking, and this is sure it it really touched on me that he didn't just float around; he had to trudge all the way over there, yeah, to see this person, and uh, and they really knew what he was like. Yeah, I, I think la- it was, must have been last year because we did some in Acts, and we were preaching on where you know when Peter goes and he heals. Is it Tabitha mm-hmm. up in the upper room? She's oh, yeah. dead or whatever. Yeah, she's dead. And uh, I believe. And uh, the one who made all of the stuff for the widows and stuff like that. Anyway, I realized that he he's on this little like check on the churches tour when they uh, come and get him. 
And I'm like, wait a minute, he's just doing what Jesus did. He's just yeah. wandering from these little towns, checking on the little church, see how they're, yeah. how are you guys doing? Right. And he's going and staying with another guy. And it's very normal. It's just normal life. And then all of a sudden, the miraculous inserts itself into yes. it. And I think that's... He, yeah, he wasn't on a mission to do some huge thing. It right. was, he's doing the normal things, and then, boom, out of nowhere... This is going on. Right. And it, and God does something incredible. Yeah. Well, and I think that, and I think maybe because of Americans were like, you know, manifest destiny and all of these things, we catch, like we hook into like Paul and Paul, you know, they don't have a lot, Luke doesn't mm. have a lot of room to write about Paul's actions. So, so he's got to write about the exciting moments of Paul's th- life. And that's just ancient literature. You don't read the mundane. We, in our, in our new modern literature, we like to dig into all the the mundane and the dirt and the flaws, and we want to see the human behind the great, you know. Yeah, sure. Back then, that wasn't how they wrote. They got to the highlights and generally skip most of the mundane. Right, yeah. and you'll hear, and for two years I made tents, and then there's like three events in yeah. those two years that that's what you're going to read about is those three events. And and you think, you read back on this and you go, wow, Paul did all these incredible things. Well, imagine if you actually stretched that timeline and thought about how much time elapsed between interesting events. Like, yeah. Oh, there was a year between anything miraculous or something, you know? Right. Or he just, yeah, he just made tents for, for yeah, two years of mostly just making tents. All the days where he woke up and all he did was make a tent that day and went home and crashed. <laughs> and chatted with whoever he was making tents <laughs> with. The great apostle Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's very interesting. You know, it's it's funny too. Uh, uh, Caleb Thomas was telling me this morning, he's like, do you realize that Luke wrote 29% of the New Testament? Like he's the dominant voice. He writes more. <laughs> he writes more than Paul does. Hmm. Paul dominates a good chunk of the narrative, and has more books, but they're short. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And it's like, yeah, Luke, who just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, not a disciple. Nope. Yeah, just a doctor. Yep. With some money behind him, does yep. some writing. Yep. It's really interesting. Yeah. Makes you think. Yep. But yeah, yeah. I think I think we. In our day, we want to, we want to see results, and we want to plan for results. I, yeah. I mean, I'm like this. Yeah, I'm sure. not throwing stones right now. This is me. And uh, but it is helpful to go back and go. Okay, the those who were trying to follow had so many days with no results. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about. So you, you choose Galatians because Galatians deals with how the gospel applies to a particular conflict that's existing within the the church. It's a mixed church, by the way, the Gentile mm-hmm. and Jewish church. And so right. circumcision is the... It's it, the it, issue. It's the it. issue, but yeah. it's got a deeper underlying issue in it that Paul goes after with the gospel. But And there's a lot of layers to this issue. There's political layers in that they in in maintaining their circumcision they were maintaining their distinction that some sectors of rome had even outlawed and so they it was resistance for them to mm-hmm. maintain circumcision and here's paul saying let it go yeah and you're supposed to let go of this thing that i've we fought for politically what you know so there's that um there's the there's kind of the issue of of race that falls into there, like this is our, like this is important, like this is our distinction as a race, and you're gonna, you know, and and if people convert into our religion, they're supposed to take on these characteristics. They're supposed to acclimate. Paul's saying no. Um, that would actually be a denial of the gospel. That's hard for them to hear. What else are you? Yeah, those are a couple of interesting. And then there's the theological implications of accepting anything else as making you righteous other than the gospel itself. Paul, of course, elsewhere tells people to go get circumcised. He recommends it um, because not to put a unnecessarily stum- unnecessary stumbling block in front of Jewish people. So he's not against circumcision in all cases, but when it 
becomes your righteousness. He's adamantly against it. And there's yeah. a lot to say there. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think his whole thing about trying to pull people under Christ yeah. in their identity is important to him in, in Galatians. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I was wondering, so as you look at that, and this is just how does that like talk to your community? Like how, because now you're those issues are at play in our yeah. culture, but not circumcision. Not we're circumcision. not having that conversation anymore, at least in the churches I'm in, we're not having that conversation. Yeah. So you're having to, you're having to help people, you know, imagine the, the parallels between this and the situations we've, we've faced right. lately in our, in our context. And that's not, it's not the simplest thing in the world because you have to, I mean, I'm not so much going after and I don't want to go after what should you vote for right? or what, you know, what do you, I mean, we, we had that conversation. We talked about being political disciples last year right, and, right. and some common good talk and what is God's call to a citizen, you know, how, how sure. ought they to think about their neighbor and so th- this is more because these divisions have hit us as a community, you know, and we and we feel it. I mean, there are, there are people who in our church that can't talk to each other. Mm. I mean, there are, and and uh, they we know that some of them aren't engaging with that, but we we can see it. Um, we've I think as leaders we've felt the the pressure from like one side or the other, and we know that those people aren't talking. And if they did, it would be explosive. Mm. Um, if there is, if if there is, like, frustrated and it's hitting us who are not, like, mo- all of our leaders are sort of in this somewhat middle position where we are not, like, representing polar ends of this spectrum right, here. Right, And we're like, well, if we're getting it that strong, imagine if you had the conversation Right. With your brother over here. Hmm. And so just, I think, recognizing, I mean, that's what we want to go after is what is it? Because we've heard people say, well, it's just just preach the gospel. Then it'll clear all this up. Well, Galatians doesn't just preach. the It preaches the gospel through showing how the gospel moves you through this particular issue. Um. And shows how the gospel, how critical the gospel is to laying down something concerning this issue or upholding something like there is no righteousness outside of Christ. That's a doctrinal thing you you stand on to move you through right. this issue. So we're, we're trying to work it out more for the sake of our people knowing how to navigate very difficult, and potentially divisive things. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're there. Yeah. If they weren't there, then it'd just be... I mean, not that you shouldn't. We probably should have talked about it before 2020, right? But we, right? Yeah. Or we we're learning to refine our, our how to talk about it. I mean, trial yeah. like this teaches yeah leaders how to do these things. Like what we we don't necessarily know if we haven't really you haven't come up against it in this particular way, and you don't know how it works out in your community until yeah. it occurs. Yeah, this is true, right? So I, I've been thinking about this idea, and this it, it kind of triggers what you're saying. Kind of triggers this, but. When it comes to the gospel, I think a lot of times we as followers of Jesus and leaders, as we talk about it, forget that the gospel is about announcing whose kingdom you are in. Yes. And what gets you into that kingdom. Right. And then what its values are. And how you now live within this kingdom. Right. And yeah, I, it's not, it's, and, and, and it's not just. That, and there's like the truncated gospel, which is just Jesus saves you from your sins, but Jesus announced a kingdom. Right. Yeah, it's it's a big, the good news is actually really good and really holistic. And it is what's real. Yeah. I think that's a, it is what is reality. And I think a lot of times, and this is definitely what I slip into, I think my people that I'm, you know, I think Christians in general slip into this, is that we think that the values of the gospel in the kingdom are behavioral. Right. Do this, don't do this. <clears throat> sure. Don't don't associate with this, associate yeah. with that. Don't and I think what we miss and what's really difficult are the values of the kingdom have to do with humility. The values mm-hmm. of the kingdom have to do with vulnerability. They have to do with having the purpose of the king and not the purpose of me. 
love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart soul, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. Yeah, is, is in it like in that encapsulation of the kingdom is so like antithetical to me as a human being. It's utterly unearthing. It, yeah. And I think this last night we were talking at the dinner table, and Ashton, my daughter, is in a class where they're talking about how computers are taking over jobs that they can do, you know, just better than humans. Right. Um, but one thing computers can't do is provide empathy. This is the uh-huh. thing that they run into all the time. Yeah. In replacing, you know, like, yeah. a, for instance, you can't necessarily have a computer be your customer care because it doesn't yeah. know how to empathize. Did you, it, have you seen those, uh, like, they were like robo, I, I want to call it robo cops. When Michaela and I were in San Francisco, they had a, they had these robots walking around that could potentially be like security guards or, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were just getting people's response to them and they were filming it. And they were, I mean, they're your size and they walk up to you and they can communicate with you. And it's pretty wild to deal with. But, but to imagine that this is your security guard and the complexity of dealing with the security guard in an, in a tense situation, like, yeah, they can't under this robot can't understand me and what I might be afraid of right now, right. and then respond like that. Right. Yeah. And I and I was struck by the fact that when the spirit of God comes in you, you actually can offer true empathy. Yeah. Whereas when the spirit of God isn't in you, you may be able to offer a form of empathy, but not true empathy because you're not made alive by the spirit and have a kingdom mm-hmm. way of empathizing i I think a a way of hearing and understanding and not having your um like yourself in the way Mm. because i think what the spirit does i mean through the resurrection and death on the cross is get us out of the way Mm. so that jesus is now in between you and i Mm. and so i can now look at you through the eyes of jesus which is not the way i normally would look at you right? right i have that gift where you know, hmm. I don't know if that's possible. People get so mad at me, and I, I get upset. People get mad when I say, look, like non people who don't follow Jesus cannot offer the same kind of empathy, grace, and hmm. kindness that someone who does. It may look that way, but it does not come from the Spirit of God. Now, it may come out of something we call common grace and what happens right. in that process, but it is not the same right. as being loved by someone who has been made alive by Jesus, mm. who loves you as Jesus, right? Like they, and no. the pushback on that is that's not fair to other really kind and good people out there, or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that yeah. is the pushback. I get it yeah. all the time. Yeah, and, I, I agree though that the it's it's never just the action or the behavior, but the motive behind it that empowers it. And so it's when it's motivated by a kingdom of grace and reconciliation that that always will be different than when it's motivated by being, you know, whatever motive somebody might have. Like, I want to be the best person I can be, um, or I just want to make the world a better place for my children who come after me. Or the, right. those are very different motives. Right, and yeah. and, and I don't want to. I, I want. I always clarify and say, look, when someone offers something that looks that way. It is a gift of the Spirit, of which yeah. you and I, who have the Spirit, are called to recognize it and proclaim that that's what it is, and invite that person to embrace what they offered unknowingly. And yeah, and sometimes, sometimes there is something to say that is that was really good. Think about where that really comes from, and and that is that is gets back to the seed and mm-hmm. you know being scattered all over the place. Sometimes people live out of something they don't even. See, yeah. So, can it have the impact of the Spirit of God on someone else? Yes, because it's God's. Whatever is good, mercy is mercy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying, but there's something powerful about the Spirit of God working in a person Mm -hmm. who loves God and offers that love. Yeah, it's life changing. It's world changing. I think, and I think that's what when I think about Galatians. I mean, ultimately, that's what Paul is trying to do in Galatians is to invite people into something deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're so identity driven, and you know, you and I are that way. Like we are, like so we're Americans. Yeah. We're 
a particular kind of Christian. We were joking about Calvinists earlier in the, the right. podcast. Like that's an identity that honestly has nothing to do with Jesus. Right. right. It's a way that you and I can understand ourselves. Right. And then it can become divisive. And yeah. And I think, you know, as far as Calvinism goes, I think John Calvin himself would be really frustrated that people have named themselves after him and done some of the things they've done and sure. in the name of his system. So even for his sake. <laughs> right. Even for his sake. Yeah. Probably probably not the best thing to anchor yourself in. Um read him. He was a he was a a wise man in many regards and also very flawed. Yes. Yeah. Well, you were talking before we got on this podcast about anxiety and fear and how you Mm -hmm. just sense that in people in your community. And I would agree. Yeah. Internally, I have it. Oh, sure. And I've had it over this year. Right. And how it impacts us. What do you, I mean, where you're at now with what you're telling your community or even just in your own walk with God and the how does God speak to that? How does how do we offer that yeah. peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that the world doesn't give? Yeah. I've I've been uh my paraphrase of that has been peace that makes no sense. Right. We want we want the peace that makes sense. We want the thing that gives us peace. We want to get the finances in order and we'll get peace. Um get the get the bad voices to go away and we'll get peace. That peace makes sense. Mm. The peace God offers comes from somewhere else and transcends everything that you would understand. So you can have it in the midst of a riot and in the midst of a nation falling apart, in the midst of grief. You know, that mm-hmm. peace can be with you. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. You know, I think I'm just, I was sharing that with you because that's, that's an insight that I've been slow to come to is that our people who are most divided are our most anxious. Um, and I should have seen it sooner. It makes sense, but it's just, I guess, landing with me uh, or a little bit more. I, I'm tuned into it in the lives of some, but not all. And so I think that that's something I'm going to be pondering as we move forward. I mean, for us, and I'm sure this is true for you, you make this plan for the year, and I tend to stick mostly with the sermons that I planned, but they do get shaped by the things you observe Mm -hmm. throughout the year and the lives of our folks. And that's, so it, it, you know, every discovery will get woven in somehow, but I think there is... I, I, it was really nice the other day to just get to talk about grace. I mean, it was the scriptures I, were, I was on was just saturating us in grace, and, and that's all I talked about. Mm-hmm. So there will be many such moments, I think, as we go. We won't just talk about divisive things. We will get into that when the text sure. gets there. But this this next uh, this next sermon is where Paul talks about when he went before the the uh, Jerusalem Council and they encouraged him to remember the poor. Mm-hmm. Why was that? They're big. In this big divisive moment, potentially they all said, oh, sure, yeah, don't they don't need to be circumcised, but do remember the poor. You know, so that's what we'll talk about this time. That's really interesting. So we're going to come at a lot of different things, but hmm. anyway, yeah, no, I... I have work to do to to think how to apply this to that anxiety. I have a lot of thoughts, but I have a lot a lot of work to do. And and to to think about these disparate groups of people we have, both with deep anxieties, afraid of each other, hmm. and how to encourage them toward oneness in Christ. Yeah, and that is at the end of the day, going to have to be a spirit of God thing. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, Rush Limbaugh died uh-huh. this last week. Right. I right. And I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh in 1990 when yeah. he had like 50 radio stations. <laughs> and what I realized as I reflected yeah. on this person who 
actually had a dramatic impact on my political life in the yeah. beginning. Is that you know there, there are some good things about what he offered, but mostly as his show progressed, what he offered was anxiety. Yes, and I noticed this in so many areas of what our world is putting out on TV, on in the radio, on YouTube, is that we're putting yeah. out anxiety, anxiety or distraction. Yeah. Right. So, so would you like look at TikTok, which is so fast, right? You know, yeah. you could, they're offering you distraction, uh-huh. very quick distraction. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. I'm. Distra- I don't actually have to touch down in this heart of mine. I. I don't have to feel anything. Yeah. You know, it's it's illegal drug is what it is. It's just the, a, and the insidious part of it is that at some level the content creators know that that's what people will drink deeply of. Right. Distraction and anxiety, things that make us anxious. We have to have more. We have to figure it out. The ang- and but it doesn't cure the anxiety. It fuels the anxiety. Right. Well, yeah. let me think of like some of the content you guys produce at Mission Church on your little YouTube videos. Right. The ones that have four hundred views on them are ones where you're talking about controversial issues yes. that produce some form of anxiety. But if right. you're saying, "Hey, this is the information for this week, and here's some stuff that you guys should think about," nobody watches. You know, thirty it. people look at it. Yeah. Fifty people, yeah. or fifty views, which means you know what, eighteen people watched it or whatever. You don't have as many, and I think that's what the content producers know. They're like, "Oh, we know that this is what produces mm-hmm. views, and so we do this." And and we've uh, just and to pitch in on that we've started to we didn't realize when we did the little thing on Jerry Falwell mm-hmm. it was more just like whoa this is crazy and then we're like why did we get so many more <laughs> why did you know how did this one get out there and you realize well it's algorithms it's mm-hmm. they know that this is this people are anxious about this or frustrated so they're looking it up so it gets picked up by some more people or whatever and you get comments from you're like how who is this person right. Well, so then we we were like, okay, that that's happening. What do you do with that mm. information? And so, just a little insight into our minds is we've we've started to kind of go, okay, we have to be really careful with that because if we just incite the fear or the frustration, then we haven't stewarded this well at all. But if mm. we if we utilize a topic that people are really interested in and try to talk about something that to get around to hope and to get around to something more anchoring to the soul that might be okay. It might be okay to talk about the things people are afraid of if you don't leave them on the tune of fear. Right. And so almost a little bit of what would it be like to think of those topics as like a Trojan horse of sorts, like, oh, we're talking about Carl Lentz. You know, uh, but then you get done, you're like, oh, that was only a little bit about Carl Lentz. We we really ended up thinking about something else. And I would say we're still, those are still germinating ideas that we're Working. trying to, yeah. But it's a weird, it's a weird realization to have. I, when that one video went big, I went, oh, I'm hmm. big. Big, yeah, big, big, like big as in nothing compared to some yeah. people. But well, I mean, for a little church, four hundred views of a video is actually pretty good, right? I mean, oddly enough, this podcast is in the top twenty-five percent of all podcasts. Oddly enough, see, I, I don't believe you. Well, it is okay. <laughs> yeah, I ain't cool. That means there's probably a million other there's, podcasts. There's so many podcasts. Us. Yeah. There are millions right. and millions of podcasts. Yeah. And they just don't last as long as ours. Yeah, we've just we're just we're just stubborn. <laughs> we are in, in the uh in the what is it, the turtle in the hair. We are definitely the turtle. Yeah. We're just, you know, thirty years from now we'll just be saying, Oh, hey. Oh, hey, 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 hey Sarah, hey, hey take your up? phone off the counter. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll just be like, Could you please turn off the thing implanted in your brain so I can hear the buzz <laughs> of my headphones? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, sorry. All that to say, I you know, how do we do that? I there there are probably a lot of good answers that I have I need to think through that more. I think like I said, this is it's dawning on me more than it was before. 
yeah. last week or so. You know, it's funny, you know, Brene Brown talks, you know, all about vulnerability and yep. all that kind of stuff. But when you look at Jesus, you're like, wait a minute, Brene, you in you know, and I know Brene is a Christian, but Is she? Yeah. She is. I thought, yeah, never mind. I, I mean she, I wasn't sure if she was. I, I know she attends okay. an Episcopal church, I believe. Yeah. So she has some There's a lot of built in spiritual influence. furniture. Yes, yep. there's some furniture in it. But vulnerability is the value of the kingdom of God. You are just telling people what we should have been practicing right. and talking about ourselves because this is right. who Jesus is. He came vulnerable as a baby. Mm. He relied on Joseph interpreting dreams to get <laughs> him to the places he needed to be. Yeah, right? isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah Caleb uh, uh, Samitz and I were chatting about that this morning, and it's just kind of mind-blowing Yeah, to me. I, I just, yeah. Yeah, I know it is. Vulnerability changes us, especially when it's a Christ-driven vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, because you were talking about that piece, and then we were, the piece that it is a, like, I do not have to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I do not have to fix this fix problem. Things. Yeah. I have, but I have to trust yeah. that God is good in this. And yeah. when I do that, my soul's at rest because it's with Him and not with. And then your soul can be at rest no matter what's happening. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you yeah. don't feel pain. I think sometimes you're right. Yeah. That we, we think of pieces. I don't have to experience this pain. I don't have to experience right. this discouragement. I don't have to experience. No, actually, peace says, yeah, you do. Yeah. And I'm with you. And let's walk. Let's go. It's like experiencing the presence of Jesus in the middle of pain or grief or trial. Yeah. Yeah. That's what doesn't. That's what. That's the light to the world. You know, everybody. Everybody knows what it's like to get really angry when you're threatened. That's not a really a light to the world. A light to the world is to have peace in the midst of darkness, fear, death. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, we talk about, I think sometimes the message gets confused and we when we say, yes, followers of Jesus need to be willing to be taken advantage of. We're not talking about abusive relationships. Right. What we're talking about is that people who stand between other people and choose right. to be taken, volunteer to be taken advantage right. of for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the goodness of the other, right. or to protect someone else. Not just for the sake of being taken advantage of or in an abusive relationship, right. but there's a purpose and meaning to the stepping in and and allowing injustice to happen to you, mm-hmm. to call people to something bigger. It's just... It's, those are beautiful things to talk about. Really, really hard, really to, hard do to do. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of times that's just happening with your kid or your <laughs> marriage or your neighbor whose things are growing over to the side of your house and doesn't really cut them down or won't you bite with, you over. Are you dealing with that right now? No. But it's the classic <laughs> one, right? Your neighbor's right. doing the thing that you don't want him to do. Right. What does that look like for you to be Jesus to that neighbor? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to do it even in those small areas. Yes, it's very hard. Which is kind of like maybe maybe we should master it in those small areas before we go try to master it in the political sphere. Or yeah. something. It's, oh man, I, I once knew a, a budding politician in a previous... Lifetime? Lifetime <laughs> church circle. But it was one of those things where life's a wreck terrible relationships but he's gonna go fix the country you know and and it's just that simple stuff that and you realize that's not just him that's all of us we're all thinking that way we have this big oh if the world would do this like man you're not even you know i'm not even i don't even have it down with my kid right who do i think i am yeah what's up with that we're very broken we are and delusional and that's why we need one another. I think yeah. th- I think the pandemic has been hard in that way, is that we're already a disconnected people before the pandemic. And and the one anothering was has almost been off limits or like that's the big faux pas. You can't be with one another. Right. And and I don't want to be the the you know, the one who's just like, nobody can tell us we can't go to church because I don't even think that's the issue at No. Like going to church is important. Is important, but that's not so much what I'm saying. It's, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's it is like getting the nuance and inflection and seeing your friend break down into tears and 
That's what we lost. Yeah. Yeah. We lost, yeah, and it's been hard. Yeah. It has been hard. But God's inviting us into new stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. To go full circle and say, we didn't know 2020 was coming, and we don't know what's going to happen in 2021. Right. Yeah, I think there's a, there, there, <laughs> early in the year, in the first sermons, I, I remember, I was just thinking, what is it with all the rose-colored glasses? Everybody's like, ah, oh, 2020's over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. A, you know, this January 1 thing isn't really, you know, if you believe in God or the universe or whatever, right, right. the whole thing didn't just reset. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did really. Yeah. God uh, pushes a reset button. He's like, okay, that year's time. over and done. And now we're... <laughs> but uh, we're foolish to think that there isn't a isn't a set of beautiful things and a set of difficulties. Right. And it certainly yeah. felt probably more like this because we had an election change or a change right. of president. So you think, oh, well, now we have a different person, even if it's... Right. So that maybe aided in the rose-colored glasses for people. For for a group of people, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. not everybody. It, it Another group of people. Made it worse, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I'll even confess, I've had rose-colored glasses. I mean, I've been telling people, you know, but because I'm listening to doctors and scientists and people, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, May, June, this is going to be real different. Yeah. It's going to be different at church. It's going to be different everywhere. Yeah. But well, I don't know that. You, we don't know that. But I have rose-colored glasses. So. Yeah. And it's okay. Well, you don't want to go around with all, I don't know, foggy glasses either, right? No, it's, no. There, there's something to having, okay, there's general optimism, which is, it's easier to live that way, I guess, from just a pragmatic standpoint. If you sure. dread tomorrow, it's really hard. If you think, hey, I think a good thing might be around the corner, those people tend to be a little happier. That's, yeah. you know, we can't all access that. It doesn't work for everybody. But it's not a bad thing. Enjoy it while it's there. Yeah. Uh, and then there's hope. And I think that's a whole nother... Hope is more of like a soul anchor in the goodness of God. You know, that where the soul... Ha- like, the soul's anchor is hooked on a on a immovable stone of the goodness of God. And uh, sometimes you have to yank on that and make sure, like, do I... Am I still... Is that still there? You know, when, like, when a ship is, is adrift and it's the chain going to the anchor is loose. You don't, you forget. And sometimes you have to drift off and that has to tighten up for you to remember. Hmm. Uh, and at the end of the day, optimism's fine, but we need hope. <laughs> You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Siepen and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.